From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Thanks for joining us. Here's what we're looking at on this Tuesday. The lame duck session of Congress continues to limp along. Shut down this Friday. The Senate should be ready to pass a one-week CR by the end of this week to give negotiators more time to finish an agreement by the holidays. That was Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer earlier today. Here's the question. Should Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer be setting spending priorities for the next Congress? We'll talk about it. It is clear, though, that Democrats can multitask while working to ensure their funding priorities carry over into the next Congress. They continue to create a humanitarian crisis at the southern border and, according to more revelations from the Twitter files, use the levers of government to suppress the voices of conservatives. Well, let's ask this question. What's going to happen in the next Congress, which in the House will be controlled by Republicans? They take over on January the 3rd. We'll talk with Texas Congressman Michael Cloud in just a moment. And President Biden, just a little while ago, in the midst of a fanfare, which included a few drag queens, signed the Disrespect for Marriage Act into law. Now, the White House continues to deny that the law will impact true religious freedom. When you, uh, when you look at this piece of legislation that has been passed, uh, it actually addresses also uh, the question that you're asking uh, and takes that into account. Uh, but look, this is going to be, tomorrow's going to be an, a really important day uh, for many Americans, millions of Americans across the country, and I think we cannot forget that. That was White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday responding to a question about the impact the law would have on religious freedom. We'll talk with Texas Congressman Michael Burgess later here on Washington Watch. And you know, the White House is not alone in denying the religious liberty threats created by the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Several of the Republicans who voted for the measure are desperately, and I emphasize desperately, trying to justify their vote, some of them even claiming that it was a defense of religious liberty. Now, Iowa Senator Joni Ernst is one of those. FRC's Travis Weber will join me to dissect the claims that she is making to the citizens of Iowa. We'll also talk with John Jennison, chairman of the Des Moines County Republican Central Committee, He's working on a censure resolution of Senator Ernst for joint for voting for the Disrespect for Marriage Act, as are several other Republican groups across the country uh, taking action against their senators. And you know what? It's not like we had to use hypotheticals to make our point in terms of the threat to free speech and religious freedom. The actions taken by the University of Idaho recently against Christian students telling them they could not talk with LGBTQ students about biblical marriage is just another example. Now, fortunately, they went to court with the help of Alliance Defending Freedom, and they won. Greg Walter, senior counsel for the Center for Academic Freedom with Alliance Defending Freedom, joins us with those details. All right, be sure and tune in tonight for Pray Vote Stand as we look at the latest revelations from the Twitter files and what this means for the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion in America. Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss will join us, along with FRC's Chris Gasick, a former attorney with the Federal Communications Commission, and Pastor Mike McClure, senior pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Jose, whose church is in the belly of the big tech beast. That's tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, prayvotestand.org. Our word for today comes from Isaiah 30, verses 9 through 11 that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord. 
who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get out of the way, turn aside from the path, calls the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. You know, the Lord gave Isaiah a prophetic word of pending destruction for Judah. The cause was they didn't want to hear what God had to say. They ignored his written word and refused to listen to the prophets and preachers. Now, here's the danger. Any nation that has been given the light of the truth and enjoyed the blessings of God, but then turns its back on that truth, telling the prophets to not speak the words of the Lord, but rather words they want to hear, well, they'll encounter the same fate. To join our journey through the Bible, go to Bible. The fallout from the Elon Musk and Twitter release of the Twitter files continues. As conservatives on Capitol Hill have begun demanding answers and calling for hearings when Republicans take control of the House of Representatives beginning January the 3rd. A particular concern will be the role that government agencies may have played in encouraging Twitter to suppress speech on its platform. With me now to talk about this and much more, Congressman Michael Cloudy serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. He represents the 27th Congressional District of the Lone Star State. Congressman Cloud, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Good to be with you once again. Now, I know you are tracking this very closely with over being on the Government Oversight Committee. Your reaction to the continuing revelations from Twitter? Wow. Well, you know, they said it was a conspiracy theory at first, but it's it's amazing to see just uh, all the evidence coming out now that indeed uh, viewpoints were censored and it was very biased uh, and what's especially troubling and you mentioned it is the potential collaboration with the uh, federal government and and uh, agencies to really squelch speech and, and to put weight in a particular narrative that now we know was actually misinformation uh, and, and so it's very troubling very troubling to see what's happening uh, thankfully it's coming out finally long last uh, but it's something that we will definitely be spending some time on as we head into the majority in the oversight committee Will you go beyond Twitter? I mean, obviously, this appears to be, I say obviously, it it appears obvious to me that this is a pattern that we're seeing not just from Twitter, but from all of those in big tech. Will you be able to go further than that and, and delve into how the social media platforms, which have become by default the public square of conversation, will you be able to look at all of them? Yeah, hopefully we will be. Obviously, it helps that Twitter is being honest and open now about what uh, had been done uh, previous to Elon uh, purchasing Twitter. Uh, and, and so I'm not sure if Meta and Facebook's going to be as transparent and forthcoming. Hopefully they will. It, it's it's very troubling that, that this kind of thing would be allowed in these platforms. Hopefully we'll come back to the point. Like, if you have to put this kind of... Uh, misinformation out there if you have to i mean you got to question your own ideologies if this is what it takes to protect your belief and uh it's very very concerning you know it has to do with an ideology that is uh just put aside uh truth and what that might mean and and have embraced relative quote truth and uh what that empowers people to do in the sense of the kind of corruption that we've seen uh, in this in this space is very troubling. Uh, we're going to bring light to it, and uh, especially as I mentioned, how how the heavy hand of government may have played a role in this. It'll be interesting to see 
to, to see too, you know, some of the COVID information that, that mm-hmm. came out and whether, you know, some of the big pharma companies played a role in that too, or the CDC or, you know, so uh, I feel like we're at the beginning of this conversation and that there's much more that's going to come out about this. And, and we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that and, and, and doing our own investigations as we continue to go forward. Yeah, we'll be keeping a very close eye on, on uh, this as it unfolds, because I believe this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Congressman, I want to switch gears a little bit. Today, you were a part of a press conference with about 20 uh, House Republicans dealing with the issue Mm -hmm. of the crisis at the border. I was talking about how uh, the Democrats can multitask. They can uh, work on an omnibus that would fund their priorities into the next Congress. They can uh, block information from coming out that the Republicans are seeking, and they can also Mm -hmm. continue the mess at the southern border. Um, yeah. Record numbers coming across. You are uh, you're saying something's going to happen in the next Congress. Oh yeah, something's definitely got to happen. We had a hearing today on impeaching Mayorkas. It's something we've been calling for for quite some time, and it's not just because oh we don't like the policies, but they are not only upholding the law, they are doing everything they can to work against the state of law. Uh, you know, the law defines what operational control of the border is supposed to look like. And Mayorkas not only has lied to the American people, he's become come before Congress and said we have operational control of the border when the very definition we are doing exactly the opposite. And not only is it just negligence, it's very intentional. The apparatus that they're putting in place to aid and abed cartels uh, at the southern border. And so he'll definitely be held to account. One of the things we're looking into, uh, and, and certainly from an oversight perspective, we'll be able to get into, you know, every, everybody understands the, the, the tragic results of the fentanyl that's coming across the border, the human trafficking that's coming across the border, because, you know, we think about the lives that are affected by that. But one of the interesting things from an oversight perspective will be how the taxpayer dollars being used in this new multi-billion dollar trafficking industry. And many of them going, we're talking $100 million contracts and more going to to single source, no bid contracts that, that seem to be going to uh, out as political favors in a sense to political donors. And, and it, you know, so the corruption in this uh, is is going to be just as devastating as the human impact as well uh, as we begin in, to dig into what's going on. And, and Congressman Clyde, as you, as you stated, th- this isn't just being negligent. This has to be intentional. I mean, when you look at the fact that under my orcas, four million illegal immigrants have been encountered at our southern border. I mean, mm-hmm. the, one to million illegal immigrants have been released into our nation's interior. Uh, and this doesn't yeah. count the ones that got away. These are just the ones that they encountered. And they've also, as you exactly. mentioned, fentanyl, 24,000 pounds of fentanyl has been, uh, has been uh, seized. That doesn't mm-hmm. even begin to touch with what got touch on the amount that got through. Well, it, exactly. Whether we're talking humans or whether we're talking the drugs, you, you make the important point. There's the the apprehensions or the encounters. Then there's the known gotaways, what we know is slipping through the cracks. And then there's the unknown gotaways, what we don't even know is happening. But we certainly see the effects of it uh, in the press conference we had today. I talked about the fact that, you know, it, almost every other day I'm getting a text from a, a sheriff in, in my district who's, you know, it's it's another bailout or we stumbled upon another stash house where these young men and women are being uh, abused or come across a fentanyl seizure uh, in, in our communities here in the United States. 
I got a text message today from my son's school that basically said the school's going on to a, a lockdown because we got a message from our sheriff's department saying there's illegal aliens out on the loose because of bailout. They might be armed and dangerous. And so this is affecting the communities because this administration refuses, absolutely refuses to uh, secure the border. And uh, it, they're, they're breaking the law. They have no care or concern about the communities affected. Let me very quickly, we're almost out of time, ask you this question. And you're part of the Freedom Caucus. We've, you're, you're the conservative wing of the Republicans. Um, are we going to hold, I mean, we only got one chamber. Only, you'll only have the House. Will you be able mm-hmm. to hold the line and force the Democrats to come along on some of these things? Well, you know, and, and that's the big question in some of the conversations we're having about the in, inner structure of what we need to do as a Congress to make Congress work better and to help us represent the people better. We certainly need to have a conference who cares enough about the direction of this country to hold the line on some of the stuff uh, that's going on. And, and it's going to mean saying no when it comes to some of these spending things uh, and, and really fighting hard. Uh, and, and just saying we're not going to be willing to fund the demise of our country. We're going to stand strong on these things and reverse course for our country. You know, I, I've said it before among a number of members as we're having these debates. I'm not interested in being a part of a managed decline of our country. Right. I want us to reverse course and restore the foundation this country was built upon. Well, you have a lot of folks. You have a lot of folks across the country cheering you on to do just that. Congressman Michael Cloud, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much. God bless. All right. Uh, Congressman Michael Cloud of Texas. Coming up next, another Texas congressman, Michael Burgess, joins us to talk about the president signing the so-called Respect for Marriage Act and where do the negotiations over the funding for government stand? That's next. Don't go away. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us again. Let me encourage you to tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time for a special edition of Pray, Vote, Stand. As we look at the implications of the revelations coming from the Twitter files. That's tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time, prayvotestand.org. Uh, not too long ago, within the last hour, President Biden signed the Disrespect for Marriage Act into law at a ceremony at the White House. Now, the legacy media was all too happy to provide the obligatory gushing coverage of and uh, openly celebrating this terribly named bill. What the press and the president won't tell you about are the congressional rules and protocols that Democrats violated when rushing this bill to the final vote. Join me now to discuss this and the implications of it for religious freedom in this country. Congressman Michael Burgess, he serves on the House Energy and Commerce Committee, the House Rules Committee, and the House Budget Committee. He represents the 26th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Burgess, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me on, Tony. I really appreciate it. So, Congressman, you are on the Rules Committee, and there was an effort to address the religious liberty issue with this. We tried this in the Senate. Michael Lee had an amendment that uh, got a vote, but they set the threshold so high that it wouldn't uh, wouldn't pass. But also your fellow congressman from, from your colleague from Texas, Chip Roy, had an amendment, tried to get into the Rules Committee, and it was a mockery of a process. Tell us about it. Not- Paul correctly did not did not come through the normal process in the Judiciary Committee. It, it should have received a markup there. It was rushed to the floor. Rushed to the floor, Tony, because of a problem that doesn't exist. I mean, if the status quo in this country right now is that activity is not prohibited. So for some reason, at the end of a, a very tumultuous year, we had to rush through a bill to say, and nothing happens that is going to strike this down. Well, it wasn't at risk of being stricken down. So we got a lot of stuff we could be doing, but we we spent two or three weeks on this valuable legislative time when I would just argue there are a lot of other significant problems that Congress could have taken up during that time. 
Well, I would I would go even further, Congressman Burgess, and I think you would probably agree. Not only did they not solve problems, they have created more problems by passing this legislation when it comes to the free exercise of religion in this country. It's only if you're religious enough, and I think it was. Uh, in fact, I read into the record of the Rules Committee the uh, the statements that came to me from the Family Research Council about uh, Section Six of the bill that is to protect religious liberty, well, actually, it just restates the constitutional protection that already exists, but only if you're a church. And if you're a, 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 a church school or some other connected uh, activity, you, you may not be protected at all. And not only that, there's now a right of private action that someone can bring a civil suit uh, um, against you on behalf of uh, your supposed opposition to, uh, to same-sex marriage. So it really was a, it, it went, you know, it was not necessary. And then it took things much farther in a direction where, where really they didn't belong. And here's the bottom line. The country is no safer, no more prosperous. Uh, citizens are not better protected. The government didn't spend the last two and a half, three weeks doing things that would help people. Uh, they simply went through an exercise where now we could have this self-congratulatory signing ceremony down at the White House. But, but, Congressman, the left did check a box. The Democrats checked a box to appease and placate uh, their growing radical support base. Yes, if that was the purpose, then mission accomplished. But, again, I would just submit that there are so many other things we could have spent our time on. And this is... You know, agree with it or not, it wasn't really an activity that was put at risk by anything that the right. Supreme Court or Congress had done. It was absolutely unnecessary, simply providing a, a again, a, a gauzy photo op for um, the president of his supporters. I don't, uh, don't disagree. I want to switch gears a little bit because you, you're kind of at the uh, the center of all kinds of activity, not only in the Rules Committee, but Budget Committee. That's where all eyes are focused right now. Uh, Senator Schumer earlier today saying that they're going to get a short-term CR uh, so that they can have time to cobble together an omnibus. That doesn't sound very promising to have an omnibus that would tie the hands of the next Congress. Look, and, and you know, I've heard the Senator Schumer's comments. It's like, we just need a little more time. Oh, my gosh. You government was running out of money on September 30th. It happens every year. It's called the end of the fiscal year. Our appropriations are supposed to be done by September 30th. They weren't. We had an election coming up. So in a, a, a show of legislative bravery, uh, Congress said, hey, we'll give ourselves an IOU till December. And in the meantime, they didn't do any work on this. So now, uh, Majority Leader Schumer says, we just need a little more time to get this all done. You've had time. You've had nothing but time. Uh, look, let's do a continuing resolution, get this to some point in the next year. Republicans will at least be in charge on the House side. Let's see if we can't do a better job spending the people's money than what we've seen over the past four years. It makes perfect sense to me and I think to the majority of Americans who put the Republicans in control of the Congress in this last election. But what about your Republican colleagues? Are they willing to draw a line on this? Well, look, that's, uh, you know, the difficult thing is they can literally pass anything they want on the House side because 
Nancy Pelosi still has a five vote majority and she will get all 222 of her members to vote for whatever they bring forward out of the appropriations committee. I don't, I don't think it can be stopped on the House side. Yes, it could be stopped on the Senate side because it does require, with the Senate filibuster rules, it does require 60 votes to get out of the Senate. Therein is the quandary. Um, you have a number of people who are, for whatever reason, retiring or have big projects and buried deep within this omnibus, and they may say, hey, I, I want this to go forward. It shouldn't. It, it shouldn't. It's a disservice to the country. We're not providing not providing the Pentagon with the money it needs. We're certainly not providing the border, our border patrol with the money that they need. And yet uh, we're supposed to accept it and go home and say we're going to have a, a great holiday. I don't think so. Yeah, well, I agree with you. And we're going to encourage people to weigh in with their senators on this. Congressman Michael Burgess, always great to see you. If I don't see you before, have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and your staff, too. All right, folks, stick with us. We're coming back with more Washington Watch right after the break. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us again. Let me encourage you to tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time, for a special edition of Pray, Vote, Stand as we take a look at these Twitter files and what it means for religious freedom and the freedom of speech in our country. We'll be joined by Congressman Jody Heiss, FRC's Chris Gasick, a former attorney with the Federal Communications Commission, and Pastor Mike McClure from San Jose, California. 8 p.m. Eastern time, Pray, Vote, Stand, dot O-R-G. 
And look, I, let me encourage you to contact your senators regarding this uh, discussion about the budget, this omnibus, as Michael uh, Burgess, Congressman Michael Burgess, was just talking about. They had all year to do a budget. They punted it past the election so there would be no accountability. And now, with just a couple of weeks later, well, not even that much, yeah, maybe a couple of weeks, week and a half, left of legislative days, they're, they're going to try to cobble together a budget that would bind the hands of the incoming Congress, the 118th, where the Republicans will control the House? Oh, come on. That makes no sense. Um, contact your senators. 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121. I'm sorry. 202-224-3121. And... Um, Focus on the Republicans, because they're the ones that can hold the line on this. I don't expect the Democrats to do anything fiscally responsible. But the Republicans should not cave. All right. Um, we're going to talk. I don't think we, we have a connection problem. We're not able to get uh, the chairman of the Des Moines Republican Party, who has uh, initiated a censure of Senator Joni Ernst. But we're going to keep trying on that. But in the meantime... I want to bring in Ariel de Turco. She is the assistant director of the Center for Religious Liberty here at the Family Research Council. And um, get the late, we, we have really haven't talked about this on the program, but the Brittany Griner situation and where we had our government trading a criminal, all right, an arms dealer, criminal, for this celebrity. And We've had others speak out about how this is going to endanger American lives. You know, we don't negotiate with terrorists. That, at least historically we didn't, but apparently now we do. Joining me now is Ariel. Ariel, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be with you, Tony. Okay, so what do we know about all of this? What, what was driving this? It was interesting. I, I was listening to the president's comments today as he signed the law uh, this disrespect for marriage law, and he made reference to Brittany Griner, a female, and her wife, and that the two things just happened to happen at the same time. And that, it made me wonder if all of that wasn't orchestrated to even bring greater emphasis to this disrespect for marriage act. Yeah, that's very interesting, isn't it, Tony? So Brittany Griner, she's a WNBA player in the United States, but she was traveling to Russia to uh, work there in their women's basketball league. They make much more money there. So she was traveling there in February. This was a few days before Russia invaded Ukraine. So all of that's going on. And amid everything, Brittany Griner tries to bring in with her in the airport to Russia uh, a vape with cannabis oil. And this is illegal in Russia. It, these are well-known policies. Uh, she really should have known better. It was very foolish to do. But this was a great opportunity for Russian authorities to exploit that and detain an American. So she's been in prison there um, since then. Last month, she was 
um, taken to a Russian penal colony uh, for hard labor and kind of just a bizarre uh, leftover situation, somewhat like the gulags that Russia has going on. So she was there and liberals were really advocating for her. They really saw her as um, a, a prisoner that was really ideal for them to free because uh, she had been active in kind of speaking out in her disapproval of America and American policies. And she was also um, openly gay and uh, very proud of her uh, relationship with another woman. So now she was going over there actually to to work. I mean, she I think she was going over there to to, I don't know, help people play basketball. I don't know. But I mean, she was going over there not as a tourist, but she's she was engaging in uh, business, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're absolutely right. She was. Why would the administration, I mean, we've got a, a former Marine who has been imprisoned over there. We've had other individuals that are, are being held by the Russian authorities without what we would describe as due process here. Why, why pick uh, Griner, why, why, why go to the effort and trade a criminal for her? Yeah, well, the U.S. has a long-standing policy where we do not pay for hostages, and a lot of people see Biden's prisoner trade of Brittany Griner in exchange for a very notorious Russian criminal, Victor Boot. He is an arms dealer. He's known for. Uh, feeding and exploiting and making money off of conflicts in Rwanda and across Africa, uh, South America. He's a really bad dude. So even the Justice Department, as the Biden administration was considering this trade, they were very wary of this deal because they saw the imbalance of the trade. And Mm -hmm. ultimately, a lot of people are fearing that um, it's just going to encourage more detainments right. of Americans. It, it's, it's how it works. I mean, if they see gain to be made here, they'll do more of it. Ariel, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us. All right, folks, coming up against another break. But on the other side of the break, we're going to take a look at um, not, not a hypothetical, but what's actually happening on college campuses as students simply try to have conversations about biblical marriage. They're silenced. That's next. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. 
So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Again, let me remind you, tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, for a special edition of Pray, Vote, Stand. We'll be taking a closer look at what the revelations from the Twitter file means for religious freedom and the freedom of speech. Speaking of freedom of speech, the University of Idaho will pay $90,000 to settle a lawsuit filed by three Christian students who were given a, quote, no-contact order after expressing religious beliefs opposed to same-sex marriage. The university was also required to rescind the orders against the students who are members of the Christian Legal Society at the school. Now, as these attacks from the left intensify, Christians must continue to remain bold and not back down. But this, look, mark this down. We're going to see more of this after what happened today with the president signing the Disrespect for Marriage Act into law. Far from the claims that many are making that this is going to protect religious freedom, it's only going to accelerate this type of censorship. Joining me now to discuss this, Greg Walters. He is a senior counsel for the Center for Academic Freedom at Alliance Defending Freedom, which represented the students. Greg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having us. All right. So did I miss anything in explaining what happened there in Idaho? Just one thing, uh, no contact order was also issued against a constitutional law professor who was the faculty advisor, Richard Seaman. Uh, so he was also subject to the, the gag order, the restraining order, or what the university called a no contact order. So um, what this meant was they could not have any conversation with these LGBT students that held this event uh, regarding same-sex marriage. They simply wanted to have conversations about what biblical marriage looks like and what the Bible has to say, and they were told they can't talk about it. Well, actually, yeah, they were at an event actually to condemn a derogatory slur that had been made 
against uh, LGBTQ individuals. And they held a prayer circle before the event. And after they prayed, uh, an individual approached them and asked them to explain why the Christian Legal Society holds the views that it holds and requires its membership or its leadership to hold those views on orthodox uh, on orthodox marriage, a biblical view of marriage. And so they explained in a peaceful manner why they held those views, basing it on scripture. And then there was an outcry from the university, the student that had asked them uh, to express their views uh, went and made a complaint. And then the no contact orders were issued against them, as well as the professor who was also at the event as part of a protest against a derogatory uh, slur. All right, Greg, I'm not going to ask you for legal advice, but I am going to ask you for your uh, opinion based upon what the president signed into law today, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which so many are claiming, oh, this is going to protect religious freedom. Um, What would it have done for these students? It would have done nothing for these students because these students, the Respect for Marriage Act, if you read the religious exemption, speaks only to nonprofit Christian organizations. These students are individuals who have protections under the First Amendment, but that act in the the religious exemption would have had no effect uh, for these students. Uh, that, That bill is a solution in search of a problem. It's not a solution at all, Tony. Actually, I think it's going to create more problems because I think it, it to me, it's kind of like yeah. the what's happened in our schools over the last really four or five decades, go, going all the way back when the court banned school prayer, is that you've got these uh, hyper sensitive uh, bureaucrats who say, oh, I mean, I, I dealt with this when I was in the legislature in Louisiana, that parents would call me saying that a, a teacher or a principal told their daughter or their son that they couldn't pray over their meal as they sat at the table in the cafeteria. That's the level to which you'll see government energized to crack down on those that hold to a biblical view of marriage. Yeah, and we're seeing it energized even more at the university and high school level today because the number of administrators have been hired. And so, and with the with the influx of the diversity, uh, equity and inclusion, uh, critical race theory, and it, anything that is really towards the, the leftist ideology or Marxist ideology that we're seeing um, brought into our schools. But here's the good news, Greg. We're grateful for Alliance Defending Freedom and other organizations like that in the legal arena. We still have a vibrant constitution that our founders in great wisdom, I think, I think led by the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying it was uh, divinely inspired, but it certainly was inspired by biblical truth to put in place a constitution that, you know, 246 years later are still protecting these God-given rights. Yeah, and what what we need actually in this area where a lot of the law is very clearly established are administrators and school officials that are willing and able to enforce what the Supreme Court has already said the First Amendment means. And when it doesn't happen, courageous young men and women who are willing to challenge these um, unconstitutional restrictions that are being placed on them because you can't go to court and win unless you have plaintiffs that are willing to stand up and, uh, and, and challenge these unjust actions. Yeah, and we're, we're just, we're blessed with many clients that are willing to do that. And the four clients in this case, if you think about it, 
three law school students, a law school professor in an environment where at least belief-wise, they are very much in the minority and willing to take a stand and stand in the gap, not only for themselves, but for every student at that university and other universities, regardless of what views they hold. Yeah. Well, Greg, thank you for joining us today and congratulations. And again, thanks to Alliance Defending Freedom and the great work you guys do. Thanks a lot, Tony. Yeah, you know, we got to defend those rights. We got to speak up. We got to use our freedoms to protect our freedoms. All right. Talking about this uh, earlier, I mentioned how Republican parties across the country are now taking action against their Republican senators. Several of these uh, 12 Republicans who enabled Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi to maneuver this attack on religious freedom through the Congress that the president signed into law today, well, they're starting to feel the heat back home. Now, multiple Iowa Republican county parties have voted to censure or condemn Senator Joni Ernst, who was one of the 12 Republicans enabling this legislation. The question is, will we see more GOP chapters speak out? Well, joining me now to discuss this is John Jennison. He's the chairman of the Des Moines County Republican Central Committee. Chairman, uh, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you. Could I make a quick statement? Absolutely. Go right ahead. So uh, the person who agrees with you 80% of the time is a friend and an ally and not a 20% traitor. That's from President Ronald Reagan. And I still believe Senator Ernst is a friend and an ally. You know, I've worked with her on a number of things, but there are some things that are so fundamental that when you look at the implications of these decisions, and I reached out to try to talk with her about this because she was the chairman of the Values Action Team, and we worked with her on a number of issues. But having been at this for 20 years and seeing the consequences of these decisions to advance an agenda that is hostile to religious freedom, I think it demands that we speak out. I would agree. That's what we've done. Would you like some history on this? I would. Go right ahead. Uh, back in July, a, uh, our, our central committee put together a resolution uh, condemning her, condemning Senator Ernst, because there was an act that came out came out of Congress called the Safer Schools Act, I believe. And um, the representatives from Iowa, the three Republicans, voted against it. Uh, the Democrat did vote in favor of it. It went to the Senate. Senator Ernst voted in favor of it, and Senator Grassley voted against it. We uh, put together a resolution at that time and sent that to her, and we didn't get much of a response back, so we were a little bit disappointed at that time. Fast forward to um, a couple months ago after the election, I got an email from one of our local Republicans. He said that he couldn't be at our meeting, but he would like to see us pass a resolution uh, censuring um, Marionette Miller-Meeks, the representative, because she had voted for this um, act that we're talking about now. Not the red flag, the... Um, marriage. Respect for marriage. Right. And uh, so we, we put that together. We discussed it at a meeting. We, we put it on the table, held it till the next meeting. By that time, it had been in the Senate and got changed. We hoped that it would have gotten... Uh, rejected, in, or at least Senator Ernst would have voted against. I know Senator Grassley voted against it as well. And then it came back to the Congress, and we worked with uh, Representative uh, Miller-Meeks to try and get that so she would vote no on it, but she she went ahead and passed it again. 
And so by the uh, week before our, our last meeting, a week ago, um, the uh, rep- uh, we went ahead and, and put together a, had a meeting, put together a, uh, a formal resolution for, for both Senator Ernst and Representative uh, Miller Meeks. And then at the meeting a week ago, we did vote on it and uh, both of them were passed. What's the, what are the next steps? You, or do you see other Republican uh, chapters in the counties uh, taking action as well? Uh, I've seen a little bit of talk about that. There may be something that goes on. It, it's hard to say. I, I think there is a, a grassroots support for um, we would like our representatives and our senators to to support our platform. Uh, the The platform started out almost a year ago at the caucuses comes up through, uh, starts at the precinct caucus, up through the county, to the district, to the state, and then is, is approved by um, uh, the, the Republican Party. And uh, there is an item mentioned in our resolution about we would like you to support and defend our platform. And uh, that was the main reason I was against it. Um, there are several reasons all stated in the resolution that I do agree with. And um, I think it's the right thing to do. We would like to have our senators and our representatives follow the platform and support what we put them in Washington to do. Uh, any, uh, any word from uh, Senator Ernst uh, as the word of the censure has gotten out? It wasn't a censure. We, we put together a resolution condemning her. We weren't allowed to do a censure according to our bylaws, which is fine. And I have not heard from her, no. She did uh, resend a reply when I told her we were going to vote on this, but it, um, it was, I felt it was kind of a form letter. But she, she defended it as best she could. I give her credit for that. All right, Chairman Jennison, good to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us today. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, we're not going to have time today, but tomorrow we're going to uh, to take a look at her response, Senator Ernst, sending out letters to constituents. No doubt many of you uh, who listen to this program, we've got quite a few listeners in, in Iowa who have responded to to what she uh, she did. In, in fact, I think we might have time to squeeze in a little bit of it. Uh, do we have uh, Travis Weber, our vice president of policy and government affairs? Travis, you with us? All right, Travis, thanks for sticking around. I know we're running short on time. Um, Senator Iowa say, uh, Senator Ernst of Iowa saying, I hope he, that more people will actually read the bill and understand what we have, that we have just improved upon religious liberty protections, not just in Iowa, but across the United States. Yeah, Tony, I mean, this defense, attempted defense by Senator Ernst, um, strikes me as quite similar to what we've seen uh, from other senators, <clears throat> Senator Tillis and um, and others who have voted for the bill, uh, attempting to claim that it improves religious liberty, um, that it actually would not harm people, institutions of faith. Uh, this is this is simply not true. And, um, you know, it's troublesome to see them continue to dig in their heels and try to convince people this was anything but a calculated political decision that they've made, perhaps most troubling, um, the attempted defense of of their supposed support for Senator Mike Lee's amendment. Uh, Senator Tillis and Ernst did vote for the amendment on the standalone vote, but then voted for the final bill and passage. Senator Lee's amendment would have protected religious liberty, 
They could have made it a condition, a inclusion, a condition of their support of the bill. But by refusing to do that, they've left many people hanging out to dry. And ultimately, uh, Senator Ernst's defense, uh, attempted defense of her vote does not hold water. Um, I've dissected it, responded to it at the WashingtonStand.com. There's a piece up there explaining the problems with, with her, her defense to her own people. At the end of the day, uh, it's important that the the, this discussion is aired out and people understand that uh, they don't get the last word. These senators who voted for this don't get the last word because ultimately they don't have a credible leg to stand on when it comes to their claim that this protects religious freedom. So it is troublesome. It is something we need to highlight um, and, and continue to make sure people understand. Yeah, there's so much that she has claimed that just is is flat out false. So she says, so you think about those that might have a religious opposition to baking a cake for some marriages. She said, that's already covered in the law, but this only applies to government actors, again, not private individuals or churches. But as it provides to government actors, you know, if, 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 if someone who's going to work for a city or a state and does not agree with this redefinition of marriage, if they make any public statement, they could lose their job. Travis, we're out of time. I think we're going to continue this conversation tomorrow because I think this is so important. People need to realize what their senators like Senator Ernst, uh, Senator Blunt, Senator Tillis and so many others have done in terms of jeopardizing religious freedom in this country. So, Travis, thanks. We're going to talk about this more tomorrow. So thanks for being with us. All right, folks, I want to thank you for being with us. And uh, tune in tomorrow. We'll continue that conversation on the implications of this law that President Biden has signed in, uh, this law that was signed into effect today by President Biden. And tonight, tune in, 8 p.m. Eastern time for a special edition of Pray, Vote, Stand as we take a look at the implications of the revelations from the Twitter files. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.